enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together and we're going to talk about a different movie from the uh, horror genre. I, I totally lost track of thought there. I was thinking about someday we'll be able to do it in the same room and I just got to dream in. Anyway, uh, every week we talk about a different film from the horror genre from your well-known classic down to that rare gem with Laker seats where they bring you the hot dogs <laughs> on the back of your video store shelf. This week, Tim and I are talking about the Sam Raimi return to form from 2009, Drag Me to Hell. Tim, have you ever felt like you've been cursed? Someone Ooh. put an old stinky old school curse on you. I'm I'll tell you what, I'm I'm a pretty superstitious. Uh, yes, you I, are. <laughs> I I am. And I mean, I still pick up pennies, you know, for good luck. Um, I I've heard of other cultures, uh, you know, superstitions that I I now follow. Like there's one, um, it's a a kind of a Mexican tradition where you cannot put shoes on a table. If you put shoes on a table, it means that somebody's going to die. Oh, so man. it's serious business. Um, and uh, so now, like, even though I didn't grow up with that at all, but now I'm totally freaked out about <laughs> shoes on a table. There's even one that was in a movie and it isn't even real. And I still follow it to this day, which is um, <laughs> from drugstore cowboy where you don't, you're not supposed to put a hat on a bed. Oh, and I, right. I, I, for even it's made, it's literally made up and I know that it is, but I do not allow any hats on beds. Oh, wow. So, but the, the cool thing is, I mean, with specifically talking about curses, I have a, a native friend. His name is Andy Abida. He's Isleta Pueblo, and he is a holy man in his tribe. And the those southwestern tribes are are super spiritual and and super superstitious. And part of what he does in his tribe is to undo curses that have been put on on tribal members. So yeah. I know that that sounds, you know, strange to other different types of, of logic, but, um, but yeah, it's it, those guys, like I said, especially in the Southwest there, they are real serious about the curses and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, me personally, I don't feel like I've ever been cursed. I'm sure I've given people good reason to want to curse me, but uh I say knock on wood and I'm here. I am doing it. Yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. And I was only laughing when you were telling that. Cause there is a, a Rick and Morty episode where it's like a needful things. Like the devil opens a store where he's selling cursed items. So Rick just figures out how to reverse the curse and opens a store up across the street that will remove the curse from the <laughs> item that you buy. Uh, so yeah. Uh, oh, also, I was going to say, I am also with you on the drugstore cowboy. I had a similar experience to after I watched that movie, I stopped watching Matt Dillon films. 
Really? <laughs> I do not like Matt Dillon. <laughs> oh, seriously? That was just my joke on Matt oh, Dillon. Oh, my God. Yeah, I do I, not at I all. I love him. I mm. love Matt Dillon. That was, I, I don't remember what we were talking, what movie we did recently in Rumble. Oh, it was Nicolas Cage and Rumblefish came up, which I'd never seen. And I watched the trailer for it and I was like, wow, how have I never seen this movie? And then there's just like one clip of Matt Damon talking or Matt Dillon talking. And I was like, oh, I don't want, no, I don't want to see it. Oh, I just hate I lo- his delivery of everything. Oh, I love his accent, which is kind of weird because he's from Larchmont, which is uh, it's kind of like a a, a highfalutin area of New York. It's not really like his accent makes it sound like he's from more like working class background. Yeah. But uh, but it's I mean, it's a real accent. But uh, yeah, that's weird. I love his. You don't even like him in The Outsiders. No. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I don't really like that movie either. So, well, well, let me. It might be because of him. I don't know. This is exciting. And maybe I'm about to answer a question that we were just talking about off air a few minutes ago, thinking about movies uh, upcoming. There is a Matt Dillon horror movie that came out uh, just maybe four or five years ago. Oh, yeah. That spoke where he's like a serial killer. Yeah. And it's supposed to be super hardcore. I can't remember the, the house name that of Jack it. built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? No. But that's the one I've entertained in my mind. Okay. I mean, that's where I'm going. Maybe, maybe. Someday, maybe. Maybe we can bring I'm going to be real resistant to it. But Tim, this uh, talk about interesting stuff we should have done last week during Leprechauns because I want to get to this week's film. There's a transition. 2009, Drag Me to Hell. Uh, written by Ivan and Sam Raimi. Directed by Sam Raimi. The stars Allison Lohman and Justin Long. Uh, and a lot of other great character actors that we will get to, but they're pretty much the main ones. Uh, budget 30 million box office, 90 million. I don't, there's nothing surprising about that. I'd say this is a $30 million movie and I'm not surprised it was a hit. Holy crap. It made 90 million. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Wow. I mean, That's yeah, fantastic. you know, Sam Raimi was a name by then. I mean, this is he'd done Spider-Man at this oh, point. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so. Well, and I think if, if memory serves, I think it kind of came out sometimes, you know, with a, a huge part of filmmaking is is release dates and trying at perfect time of year, knowing what other movies are coming out at that time and just trying to really uh, ha- release something at the exact right moment to maximize you know, uh, people going to see it. And if memory serves, I don't think there was a lot of horror going on. And then this movie just kind of showed up out of nowhere. Like it, it just, I mean, everybody, you know, is always watching for more evil dead sequels or developments or whatever. And then bam, this just kind of popped up and it's awesome. It is great. I'm so glad that we're covering a good movie. I'm thrilled. I am fucking thrilled. That's great. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun this one. I had seen it before. Um, there was a part of me that was like, oh, that's just some, it's an okay movie with some terrible CGI, which after rewatching it, it's a great movie with a very short segment of really bad CGI. But <laughs> for the most part, I was not distracted by the effects as much as I thought I was going to be. Um, and it's weird too, because when I went back and watched it, I do not remember being that put off by the uh the cgi the first time around like i (laughs) I had no recollection of that but when i watched it this time i'm like little it's pretty cringy yeah it's crazy how your brain just accepts like uh yeah i'm sure in 2009 
there's no way that looked good in 2009. It was, but it was probably like not great, but okay. But yeah, yeah now it's just like what yeah. the f kind of lawnmower <laughs> man garbage is that? <laughs> but yeah, the uh, but the whole the the movie um, just kind of it, my overall impression of it. There's there's two things that jump out at me. Um, one is, and I've talked about this before. I, I like a nice compact movie. Uh, I like a movie that is, is crisp, has good pacing. It doesn't uh, get weighed down by many elements. It kind of keeps things simple and, uh, and deliberate. And this movie does a great job of that. It, you know, obviously we have multiple characters, but it doesn't veer into too many different aspects of people's lives. It stays really focused. So I, I love that part of it. Um, I also love the fact and adding to that, it doesn't do anything but tell its story, which everybody knows that I don't like the preachy stuff. And this is, <laughs> is literally nothing, nothing but story. And mm-hmm. I love it for that. The other thing that is is so it's almost like a like a friendly embrace. There's something about Sam Raimi movies, especially when he's incorporating some of those evil dead techniques oh, yeah. um, specifically when the camera itself almost becomes its own character. Uh-huh. Like there's ways that he uses camera movement oh. that you're like, yep. It's like a weighted blanket. Like yeah. <laughs> you just feel good. You wrap yourself up in this quick zoom. Mm. And, and people try to imitate it, but nobody can do what he does. Yes. I, that's what it, I was noticing while watching this movie. I was like, Oh yes. Like, no one else can do this. Yeah. And it's not like it's like mind blowing stuff. It's, no, it's sometimes it seems so easy. Yeah. It is. And it's just like little unconventional camera movements that, that are just kind of like a, like the icing on a cake. It's, it's just, it, it feels like a Sam Raimi movie. This one I think would satisfy what you were missing in that evil dead remake. Oh, totally. And, and this, you, you see this and I could just imagine you saying like, yes, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. And I hate to keep, I feel like I've compared like <laughs> three or four viewings of other things now to what I wanted in evil dead. Uh, evil dead had it, it's great moments. Yeah. Um, but you are absolutely right. I did have that very specific thought while I was watching this, like, Oh, if only this, this, this stuff had been, and, you know, without jumping ahead, like just the, you know, green goo at the funeral, like it's just so gross, but I would like laughing while I'm retching, you know, I right. love that feeling. Yeah. The, um, I think what comes out, even if it's just sort of subconsciously, uh, I read that, that Sam Raimi loved pretty much every single element of this movie. He loved making it. He loved working with the people that he's worked with so many times before. He loved the actors. He had complete creative control. Nobody from any studio was meddling in the slightest. They just, you know, he had had some pretty great success by this point. So they just kind of let him do his thing. And he just, it sounds like he just absolutely had a blast. And it's kind of funny because a lot of people know that and a lot of people like the movie. And so he always gets asked like, where's the sequel? Like if you liked it so much and it was a hit and he's just honest, he's like, I don't know where to go with it. Yeah. Like, what, what could you make a sequel <laughs> of, of this? You, you couldn't. Um, and like, that seemed uh, to be the point that it was pretty finite at the end there. 
maybe drag me from hell. Oh God. Like, yeah. See, that's not going to be as good. No, but yeah, see, um, I read about Raimi in, in that vein. Cause he, he was just coming off doing a decade of Spider-Man. And what he loved about doing this movie was he's like, when you do like the big budget, you know, superhero movies, a lot of the stuff you need is covered by people, but you go back down to a movie at this scale and you don't have the resources of, you know, of, you know, Disney behind, well, it wasn't, it was Sony at that time uh, doing Spider-Man, but you know, you don't have those resources. So you, there's a lot of stuff that you have to create on your own or come up with the solution to on your own. And he was like, I like missed that. Yeah. I could totally see that. And it totally shows like, I mean, this, this movie is just like a big, Sam Raimi signature. Like if you can watch <laughs> a 90 minute Sam Raimi signature, that's what this movie is. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's interesting that it, it kind of took as long as it did. Apparently they wrote this, he and his brother wrote it in 92 and um, they wanted to actually do a, it was almost going to be written as a remake of uh, a movie from the, I think it was from the mid fifties. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, um, it was, they couldn't get the rights to that movie. So they had to kind of come up with their own thing. It has a couple elements of that movie that they wanted to remake, but it's, it's just very bare bones stuff, but they write it all the way back in, in 92. And I think they just got busy with other stuff. And so, yeah, it, there's a reason why it, it does resonate with so much fun because I think they were just like, they just hand plucked it. Like we got this thing. It's already written. Like you said, we've spent a decade, you know, working with big studios. Let's, let's do that one thing that we thought of. And uh, yeah, it's great. And it's great right from the beginning. Um, You know, it opens with a bang and, uh, and just has a great pace, but I'll tell you real quick before Nan some, the one thing that I actually really like the most about this movie is the lead actress. And I'm not even sure if I understand why I like her so much, but I really do. And um, she's not like overly descript in her style of acting or anything, but she's just perfect. And um, so we'll, we'll talk, we can talk more about that later, but, um, and she was not the original, uh, actress for that role it was going to be uh elliot page oh that's right and uh so in and um at that time uh elliot chose to do that uh roller derby movie was it whip it yeah so yeah he i'm sorry they backed off this movie and uh went to that and and i'm so glad for that because even though they would have done i'm sure a really good job uh, I, again, this, this actress is just so down to earth, so naturalistic and, um, and I had never seen her for in anything else. So yeah. I think that really helped too, that she just had that sort of anonymity, but she kind of reminded me of, she's like a mix of like, kind of like Patricia Arquette, kind of like Kristen Swanson from, uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just real natural down to earth, great performance it's it's awesome yeah i got vibes from the girl who was in the ring and i'm really blanking on her name right now uh anyway but yeah 
Yeah, I enjoyed her. And yeah, she's an actress where it's like, oh, why haven't I seen her in more stuff? Yeah, right. And uh, and when you've got uh, somebody like Justin Long in there playing her boyfriend, which is really a role that honestly anybody could have played. I mean, it's it's just kind of standard. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, the the nice boyfriend. Yeah. And, uh, but the fact that they went with Justin Long is such a great choice because that guy has such a. Uh, an intense likability factor and he's just <laughs> yeah. intense likability yes. intense likability <laughs> like literally it doesn't i mean you could just hand him the phone book and he just seems really relatable like wow i'd like to be friends with that guy like he just seems really you know fun and genuine and sincere so yeah and and you didn't need to add that level of goodness onto yeah. the movie but the fact that you have it just makes it that much better i found out last night um, there is a possibility we could have gotten Justin Long on the show. Oh, we might have the connections for that, but I'm like, well, we record tomorrow. He's like, well, that obviously will not work. I just wanted oh. to throw that out. Just that thing that you'll never have. I wanted you to also know you'll <laughs> never have it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I really, I really enjoy coming so close to having that and, and not I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for Elijah Wood, Tim. I'm not just going to start having any celebrity on it's Elijah Wood or bust. Yeah. Justin Long will be begging us to be on the show. Yeah. I'd love for him to come on. All he has to do is get us an interview with Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Justin, then you can come on talk about whatever project you want. I don't care. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, so yeah, let's, uh, we got that, we got that Nansum pulled up. And yeah, let's rock. do Nansum. Okay. Christine Brown is an ambitious loan officer looking for the big promotion. In order to impress her boss, Christine denies an old gypsy woman a third extension on her loan payment. In turn, the gypsy woman curses Christine to be tormented by the demon Lamia for three days before being dragged down to the depths of hell for eternity. Now Christine must find a way to make things right as she races against time in a series of terrifying encounters before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Lamia. Child killer, actually. Uh, Lamia, yeah, is that a real? I was yes. going to ask. Okay, I figured it was from Greek. It's uh, it's from Greek uh, mythology. Um, oh. Kind of a goat type person, and they uh, they haunt your your dreams or your your kind of nighttime. Uh, just sort of not even trickster. I mean, it's it's actually a really really bad entity creature and it's known for killing children (laughs) so yeah it's it's the real deal and it's kind of like in in modern times it's sort of like uh like the boogeyman in greece so Uh like you would would tell your kids to go to bed or lamia is gonna kill them (laughs) essentially (laughs) so you know it works okay yeah, well, he doesn't really go after kids. Well, I guess a kid dies in the beginning. Yeah, he drags it's, a I, kid to hell. But I, it's, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that I. I so yeah, in, in answer that's to just the question, lore wise, but they don't really. That's not really. Don't, yeah, the they don't really. This movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe they just pick the name or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a good name. Yeah, it is. It's fine. And anything that has to do with um, anything that has to do with gypsies. I mean, that's it's such a fascinating culture and it's so nondescript i i think that there are people out there that think that like there are like one type of gypsy when there's gypsies all over the place but i think that when you say 
when someone says gypsy, they're probably talking about that um, kind of Romani blooded Eastern European Hungarian um, sort of uh, people that nomadic people. Um, and uh, and it's just great for it's great for horror shit. It, it worked for the Wolfman all the way back. And and that the, the first uh, Wolfman movie, yep. it's, it's always got an element of of mystery to it. I I've known some gypsies myself and they're, oh. they're interesting people. Um, and they were, they uh, rob Palmer. you, they rob you Tim. That's all I know about gypsies. <laughs> well, no, but they, but they actually were palm readers. So, I mean, they, they're living right up to that stereotype. Sure. So, uh, but no, um, anytime you get a, a gypsy action and then you couple that with the, the specific gypsy being a kind of terrifying older lady. Oh, you, you've got me. Yeah, I mean, it was it's creepy now. Yeah. So the, our gypsy lady, man, she's a piece of work. <laughs> OK, here's I don't know how to get into this right. Because our OK, so Christine, right. And I mentioned in the summary, she's working at this bank. Uh, I do like the bank dynamics, like the guys are all kind of douchey mm-hmm. um, now. Okay, I said I had some uh, issues with this movie, and they're all just like very uh, tangential, dumb things. But I think in a whole, they just, it's like uh, uh, just the way people act. Like the, you know, she asks her boss about this assistant manager position, you know, and he's like, right now it's between you and this dude. Like, no, that would never happen. You do not tell people, right? You two are battling it out for this job, you know. And then later he's like, You're now in the lead. Like, it's a fucking game show. Like, right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't work like that. No. No. Because then people do things like this. So, what happens in this movie is in order to make that big, bold move, she denies this woman uh, her loan extension, right? On the surface, uh, as myself, as a, a bleeding heart, I'm like, oh, that poor woman. Like what her life must be like. Uh, and she is very old. She looks very frail. She cannot afford her home. I sympathize at the same time. <laughs> Eight, not only is this woman disgusting, like literally just spitting. Because this is not a ghost at this point, right? This is this is just presented as here is a customer of the bank. Okay, yeah. she is uh, spitting the most disgusting uh, mucus I've ever seen in my life. Like the color that she spits is almost orange. It's yeah. really gross. Yeah, she's just spitting this into a handkerchief. There is a lot like this Sam Raiminess, like these gross, squishy sound effects that aren't really matching what's going on, but it's still <laughs> making you uncomfortable. Like she's taking out her her dentures. Also, mind you, her teeth look rotten, but then their dentures, the dentures rotted. Like, <laughs> did she get rotted teeth dentures? <laughs> It's a good, it's a good point. It's really like if you're going to get fake teeth, get nice fake teeth. Like that's, you know, yeah, that's a little strange, but one thing just, I want to hop in just real quick. I want to ask you just right in the part that you're exactly talking about right now. Yeah. Did I see what I thought I saw? Does she steal the rest of the candy off? She pours the candy into her purse the candy that that Christine oh, has. I didn't notice that, but possibly. I, yeah, because she takes one for like she's going to eat it. And then 
in a faraway scene, I think you see her pick up the bowl and <laughs> empty the rest of it into her purse. She's oh. not a, she's not a good person. Yeah. So she's even worse. Yeah. So yeah, here's my huge issue. So the whole basis of the curse, right. Is so Christine's like, okay, like Christine is in the right here. Cause yeah. this woman has not paid her loan. Listen, I get it that banks are predatory and the whole purpose of a bank is to hopefully someday seize your assets so they can own it because you can't fulfill your promise. I get that. But you go into it knowing that, right? Right. So you cannot be surprised when you cannot fulfill your end of the agreement that it's what you promise is being taken away or what you gave up for collateral is being taken away. And then to then now she's causing a scene so the, this poor employee has no other recourse but to call security it's not her job to get that woman out so now all of this is accumulated and the whole reason she gets cursed is because she's like you shamed me yeah you like when <laughs> right I don't, and when she shamed like there's there's seems to be a point in the old woman and I think it's when she calls security to have her removed, like fucking curse the cop. Like, why isn't she like pissed that the cops dragging her out? Right. You you bring up a really great point. And I, I think what what really I'm going to get really, really into stuff I love, but this I'm getting all my the sure. stuff I didn't that bothered me out first. Well, it, it, I'll tell you my biggest problem with with what you're talking about, what you just said is that. Um, I see this woman, this gypsy woman as a, she's just a bad person. Like, I mean, there's, but yet the movie weirdly, a little weirdly at the end, almost tries to make it seem like Christine realized, realizes that she should have shown mercy to the woman. And she actually says those lines to her boyfriend, Justin Long's character. And she says, you know, I realize I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing. I should have, you know, extended her the, you know, the, her loan or whatever. And, uh, and I see that now. And I understand that it's like, no, that, yeah. You didn't say that under duress. You have been tortured, You've had a ghost sick. It's arm down your throat. Like, right. And you don't owe her like you don't. I mean, no. And not only that, you find out later uh, just jumping is one of the brief bits. We'll jump ahead. You find out the old woman has died at one point. There is a massive funeral with all these members of her family. Yeah. Motherfuckers pitch in and help your grandmother out. <laughs> right. It's true. And they're it's... still pissed at her. Like they're all like, oh, we know about you, the loan officer who ruined her life. Yes, she is. And that question gets asked. I saw it in several interviews. Sam Raimi is asked, do you think that she is unjustly punished? And he's like, yeah, Yeah. he's like, she, she is, it's, it's a way overcorrected level of punishment. Like, I'm really curious, like, cause they do say in the movie, like, oh, this curse is used by gypsy women to, you know, get back at someone who's wronged them. Like, do they get to use this unlimited? Like how many other petty offenses against this woman has she now doomed someone to eternal damnation and torture because, you know, uh, they cut me off at traffic or uh, didn't say thank you when I held the door for them. 
Yeah, they put, you know, <laughs> sour cream on my taco when I requested no sour cream. I mean, yeah, like that's pretty dangerous. Like she could just right. whip that thing out whenever. Yeah. And uh, but but yeah, they what I love about that character, though, is that because even though she is this older woman, um, you know, seemingly and in, in not that great of health, she's still scary as hell. And she's frightening and terrifying and you'd think yeah. oh, how, how are they going to make her some sort of you know formidable foe or whatever but no she is you you don't want this lady anywhere around no. you well and because kind of what they do it's this weird ambiguous is she like magical because she uh-huh. puts up a fucking fight like right. not only does she sneak into christine's car without her noticing because after all this business at the bank Christine's leaving and now she has another encounter with the woman in her car. But first there's, it's almost like she's controlling this handkerchief that's floating around outside. Yeah. And yeah, then they have this fucking James Bond style fight inside a car where I'm just like, how is this old woman surviving this? Like, and then she dies later. So she is mortal, but how does she survive the things in the car with no problem? what the fuck did she die from? I see. I missed that part. Yeah. A, I, a asteroid landed on her. Cause it seems <laughs> to be the only thing that's going to do this lady in. Yeah. You would think that if she has this superhuman strength that like natural would not catch up with her, you know, yeah. but seemingly oh, oh, here's what I think. Actually, I do uh, hypothesize on how she died. Uh, complications from having a ruler shoved down her throat. <laughs> Yeah, if we remember it. that happens in the car christine stabs her in the like in the open mouth with a ruler to which then she coughs back at her and it shoots out again this sounds like i didn't like it this scene is awesome oh yeah. i'm just very confused as to the nature of the abilities of the old woman and and you're right there's because she hasn't way. cursed her yet that's the other right. thing. Like, this is still just like, I'm a customer of the bank that's pissed off. Right. Really pissed off. <laughs> really uh, pissed off. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, I mean, it, it, we're, it feels like we're just led to believe that, you know, maybe she's just a, your standard gypsy who puts curses on people. But you're right. There's, there's a level of power that seems to go way beyond that. Yeah. Um, but, but we all, we kind of roll with it. Why? Because, Everything is played out like the scene you're talking about with so much fun. Like these, the the fight that you're talking about, the there is a just wealth of mouth play in this. Oh my God, like dude. vomit, vomit play, mouth play, like face sucking, like oh. just open mouth. Yeah. Like in the car, she gets her dentures knocked out and she yeah. immediately goes and just gumming her mouth, <laughs> like on her mouth. Oh yeah. God. Just kind of like sucking her jaw, I yeah. guess is probably the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, it's so much fun to watch. And of course it's, it's the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it is the same uh, camera person or camera operator that worked with Sam Raimi on evil dead Two, And it shows because oh. you know, that obviously these, these guys know how to do action sequences yes. and anything uh, with that stapler is so Sam Raimi, like <laughs> oh, yeah. the close, because she hits, she hits her in the face with the stapler. You've got the great 
It's just, it's so Sam Raimi. It's this super quick zoom of a super wide eye as that staple's coming in. That's a great shot. Then there's another shot. She's about to crash the car into another one. And the old woman like opens her eyes in surprise so big that it dislodges that staple and you get a good <laughs> silent like ping. Yeah. <laughs> it flies out of her eye. It's so great. Yeah, what, you, what you've got here is kind of like, I don't, I don't know if this is, I don't want to cheapen the, the, the mastery of Sam Raimi, but I'll tell you what it reminds me of. It's kind of like his style is like a mix of a, a legit gnarly horror movie with like Looney Tunes cartoons. Like it's got that level of silliness to it yeah. to where it's, but he measures it. He calibrates it just right to where it's never too over the top. Yeah. You get a pig, but you never get a boy. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we're talking about the goat scene <laughs> when later on there is a goat that becomes possessed. And that's when you're just laughing like, okay, he's just having fun now. Yeah. That look, that was very evil dead. The look oh, of that yeah. goat, man. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's scary my, too. It's also yeah. freaky. Yeah. Um, and man, do I love that house that the uh, the seance takes place in, that big, gorgeous house. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Um, but yeah, just b- back to uh, we'll our get lead. to the seance. Don't jump to the seance oh, yeah. yet. But back to our our uh, our lead actress here. She she's cute um, and she's believable in the fact that she she wants to do better for herself. She has a really nice natural way of showcasing the sort of um, insecurities that she has because there's this like weird little strange subplot about her being like formerly heavy overweight. Yeah. She's like a fat girl from the Midwest. Yeah. And, and she uh, moved to the big city. Right. So she loan officer and she does, she plays that, that, insecurity just very subtly but very effectively and uh she's great and you're just rooting for her she she seems you know well balanced she seems like a sweetheart like i said she's really cute to look at and um yeah you're just rooting for this girl and um and and she does a really great job of as things start to get worse for her and they do very quickly she doesn't overly emote the frustration or the the freak out. It just plays out like somebody who's dealing with something that is way out of their control. Yeah. And uh, but but she never overdoes anything. And yeah. uh, it's great. It's just great. Yeah, I did root for her. Uh, someone I didn't root for uh, was uh, Ram Jaz. The you didn't like him? What a dude. That guy is a total shyster. Did you like that guy? Well, I, l- let me I'll clarify. I thought it was I thought that actor and that character had a sort of screen presence. Like oh, it, I like it, the actor. Totally. I think yeah. he did the character. Well, that yeah. character is a douchebag. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Because yeah, because here's here's my thing on him. Um, a a. Go uh, when Justin Long is sitting there because this is after the car fight and she's been cursed at the end of the car fight because the the old woman rips a button off of her coat and curses the button and that's the whole thing you know this object that you that is your property has been cursed and that's why the curse is on you so immediately after that she like gets a weird 
feeling it while they're standing outside a psychic's office and she's like i want to go see the psychic so that's where we're introduced to uh, ram jaws played by dilip rao i believe is how you say his name mm-hmm. um uh yeah and he's great um now <laughs> i will say Justin Long in this scene, this is what going to see a psychic with me would be like. <laughs> like, it just, no, I'm not putting up with any of your nonsense. Like, you know, you work with money. Yeah, who doesn't? You know, uh, <laughs> right. just anything like that. Um, so I will say, his, his the, the psychic character <clears throat> does come off uh, as kind of genuine. I mean, he obviously has a like, vision with her you know he sees the the demon and he does tell her about the actual demon so i'm not going to say he's a total shyster maybe he is someone who takes advantage of the position that he's in because yes he charges 60 dollars for his um reading now see also at the same time i don't think he has readings like this a lot right like him seeing the vision shocked him as well right yes so he's still doing easy cold reading stuff that all psychics do um so for that he charges her 60 dollars. then he's like um i i guess i'm going to jump around a little bit but it's fine um you know then he's like okay uh after they figure out because he is right uh, i would assume about the demon that is tormenting her right and she's like how do i stop it he's like maybe a blood sacrifice works so she kills her cat that doesn't work and he's like oh wow that didn't work okay let's see um i got it uh i can get someone who will help us but you have to give me 10 grand now he never says that goes to the woman yeah because the woman that's helping them we see at the very beginning there's a prologue where this boy is cursed and he gets dragged to hell and she's trying to help the boy and she seems to give this before the opening title credits like we will see again like it's kind of her personal mission to find and defeat this demon so she doesn't seem like the type of person who's like i will defeat you but you must pay me up front first like you know i feel like there's more of a personal goal here not a financial goal for her so this guy again is taking advantage and getting 10 grand i'm feeling he's pocketing that 10 grand i feel like if if uh and what, what's her name um uh shauna De, De sandina is the is the psychic played mm-hmm. by adrian adriana bazara um i feel like if she heard that our that uh that uh, that Ram Jaws had taken 10 grand for this purpose she would have been pissed like no like i wanted to find this guy free of charge right and then when the séance doesn't work he's just like hey i never promised it would work like you, you know who knows these demons i guess you're just going to die <laughs> oh no yeah. then he does give her the final solution like actually here's how you do it it's very simple yeah right yeah i think um it makes me wonder if maybe the whole money thing was worked into the story to sort of uh flip the script on here uh, christine denies somebody the ability to extend their loan and then now she's in a position where she doesn't have enough money oh, to fix her life or to get her situation handled okay so i don't know if maybe that maybe that's why but but you're right whether however it came to be inserted into the story right. i believe like you do that he's just going to pocket that 10 grand yeah. so yeah and I, in retrospect it's a very well written character because i do think that's how 
a psychic who, you know, operates would do. They'd, they'd, oh, here's another scenario I can make a little money on. Right. Like a mechanic. You know, exactly. Most like mechanics are not going to be like, oh, you know, you brought your car in, but looks like everything's fine. So <laughs> just go ahead and drive away. You're right. fine. No, they're they're going to find something. They're going to find it. Tighten this one thing. It was no problem. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no. So, yeah, it's he's an interesting character that way. I will say, though, so I, I didn't in, like hate a part of the movie because of him. I hated his character and didn't. I wanted him to suffer in some way. And he didn't. Yeah, and well, I will say in his slight defense that I do think that there is some quality to him that is concerned for her. I, I, sure. I think that and money is probably a great motivator, too. But I, I think that it's a little bit more than that. I think he does genuinely want to help her. He's just going to make some money along the way doing it. You yeah, because she comes back to him and he offers some advice and doesn't feel like he's charging her 60 bucks every time. Because he gets right. that big 10K payday. Right, right. So, um, but yeah, but he's a, another really great character. There's no, I mean, a, a great actor. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no just half-assed performances. There's even just a small role of Justin Long's uh, mother and or his parent, both of his parents, but specifically his mother. And I really, really like what the actress who plays that role uh, does with with the job because she's got a she's kind of got the 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 mission of having to be bitchy and like just shitty and judgmental. Yeah. But then, but then, sort of turning on a dime and actually maybe being a better person than we thought that she was. Yeah. Um. And uh, so she. Well, yeah, it's that great like superficial quality where it's like, oh, we have. I'm I'm just going to basically find every reason to not like you. But as soon as I find we have one thing in common, okay, now you're like me and it's fine. Now you're right. okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, even though I, all those things I hated still exist, <laughs> right. we're cool now. Did you want not, I mean, obviously not in what eventually happens with it, but before it starts to go bad, did you want a piece of that harvest cake? I mean, there's a, <laughs> A part of me that says, yeah, but man, showing up to that house with that cake does feel like (laughs) trashy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good uh, looking cake, though. Yeah, I'm sure it's delicious. It looks like a good, dense spice cake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, weird, weird one to bring there. But, you know, it's her. Like, was it a harvest cake? Is that what it? Because she seemed like she was making it up on the spot. Like what it it was a little that way. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but no, I one thing just as and she has a freak like, out every scene we talk about, she has a freak out. So just assume wherever location we're talking about the end of that, uh, there's a freak out that happens. <laughs> right. And and the great part about that is that it's kind of what makes this movie so captivating is that it's it's not like it's a, a masked slasher running around like these are forces that this girl cannot fight. <laughs> I mean, right. she she tries, but it, it as a viewer, you you find yourself being like, I don't know how she's going to unfuck this situation. Like, this is really bad, and it's I you really feel for her because yeah. uh, she's you know so undeserving of the whole thing, and it just gets worse and worse and scarier and scarier. And it's, yeah, it's I loved scary. all the attacks. Yeah, because it's like every time she like comes home. There's like a new attack like the and the first and they kind of start kind of slow, like, 
the first one, her lights just start going out, and then she just kind of notices the shadow on like the shape, like the curtains as it goes around the house. Mm. And as she follows it, it just kind of finally accumulates to like the figure of like this goat-headed yeah. shadow, which then just fucking punches her in the face, like ghost punches her, which I did not <laughs> expect at all. Like it coalesced and then wah, bam, and like sends her flying. <laughs> yeah it's it's just so weird to just be like it always fascinates me when someone is physically attacked by a monster but then not killed like it's just like i'm just gonna punch one time and then i'm (laughs) out of there like right because it knows here's here's my other uh like weird esoteric issue because the the demon then like torments you for three days on earth before it drags you to hell Mm mm-hmm and if you look at the long-term scenario here, right? Like eternity, what's the three-day toying thing? Like that's such a blip in the timeline of eternity, like three days. Like do they reflect on those three days ever? And are like, man, those were the those were the days. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the- Remember I, when I was just getting ghost punched in my house, man. <laughs> um, I think that- that was one of the elements um, that was borrowed. Oh, from... yes. It was from one of the stories. I do know that. Yeah. I'm just saying that seems like, again, that's just one of our, as humans, we can only, you know, we're, we feel so limited in creating things within the world that we know. So like uh, tortured for three days sounds terrible, but if you put it in the, you know, the timeline of eternity, three days is uh, meaningless. Yeah. So like, it's weird that that's part of the eternal torture is also this quick three day grace period. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's kind of like, if which happens can't... at sunrise, by the way, so you can get cursed either early or late in a day and almost get a full day more than another person to reverse the curse. That's true. Yeah. It's time management. Exactly. Um, You know, you're right though. If you, you would think if you were a demon that had the power to drag people to hell and that you liked dragging people to hell, that you would just drag them. Right. If that were your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, but, but, you know, good for us that that uh, they do like to mess yeah, with. Yeah, I'm glad because yeah, there's some great messing with. Oh my! And uh, I was telling you earlier, I had a jump scare <laughs> that I was laying on the couch, and it was the full on like all of the air goes out of your lungs, and every single muscle in your body tightens up. It was. And there are several of them in this movie, but there's one in particular where, and we've seen this scare before where somebody is in bed and then they kind of sit up. And then when they lay back down, the bad guy is there, you know, yeah. laying next to him. And it's it's so effective because, you know, your bed is supposed to be this safe place, this comfortable place. And then here's this nasty woman. And it's, I didn't see it coming at all. I should have. But when that happened and and there's some great sound work in this movie, like the sound is just jarring as hell. Yeah. And I did the like, <gasps> like just <laughs> I, everything, like just my whole body went into fight or flight mode. And I as soon as it, it happened, I'm like, I'm so happy that I can still feel that and that there's still a movie that elicits that. Like yeah. it's it's a great feeling. Well, yeah, Terrifying, that's a good jump. Great. And then immediately after she gets on top of her and 
And here's one of the parts where I was like, oh, here comes the bad CGI. But no, like this is legit just like a bucket of grubs and mealworms all over Christine's face. Yeah. Yeah. And that poor uh, actress that played uh, Christine did all of her own stunts. So, I mean, yeah, I read that that's what she liked. Like she does not like horror movies, but all the stuff that kind of came with it, she loved doing all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's, and you know, this, I think, I think it's important when you have a writer and a director that just understand what images are scary and they just understand fear, like uh, skipping ahead a little bit when, uh, when they are at the the grave site and, and the old lady, the gypsy is in fact dead yeah. and really not posing any threat, but it's still goddamn terrifying when her like, you know, weekend at Bernie's body is just kind of like <laughs> floating over towards Christine. And it's so scary. Yeah. There's nothing that she could do, but yeah, um, like it's the body's not attacking her, but just due to the environmental situation, right. she can't avoid the body. Yeah, it's so. Good. And in some ways, maybe it's even actually scarier that it's the dead body, which it has no power to do anything. Right, because you want to be like, are you doing this or not? Like, I need right. to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's good. And again, yeah, that just goes back to somebody that that gets creepy and they understand it. Obviously, Sam Raimi does. He's always is he's he can't help himself. He's always got to inject something into his movies that just makes your skin crawl. And he's yeah. great at it. Um, we uh, I did want to talk real quick because I, I just say her boss, uh, who's Mr. Jim Jacks, played by Academy Award nominee uh, David Pamer, who has been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he was nominated for um, god damn it, what was that? Uh, Billy Crystal movie, Mr. Saturday Night. That he, they, that movie elicited a Academy Award nomination. Amazing. <laughs> um, but I do kind of love him as the boss. As terrible as he is at his job, he just kind of comes across super weird. Uh, there is a scene, I think this is right after she's barfed on by the bugs and she's at work the next day. Um, she has an altercation with the dude, with Stu, the dude she's in competition with the job with. Mm-hmm. And then she starts getting a, a, a nosebleed. And so Jim Jacks comes over and he's like, your nose is bleeding. And she's like, I'll be fine. And then but just like fucking douses him with blood. And he like says something like, oh, did, did it get in my mouth? Did it get in my mouth? But he's like, are you okay? What's, what is wrong with you? But he's saying in a way like not, oh my God, obviously there's a medical situation, but like, why are you doing this right now? (laughs) He's such a weird delivery, but he's so oblivious. I think it just worked for me. It worked so well for me. Yeah. He's awesome. I'm like, he's, he's kind of the, um, you know, initially you think he's just going to be like the really shitty mean boss, which he kind of sort of is, but he's also just sort of, kind of bumbling too and kind of hapless and yeah he does an awesome job and i think if i'm not mistaken i think that actor was in night of the creeps oh was he one of the guys in the medical facility like remember he ends up getting like he's kind of zombified he's got his throat slit in the like meta yeah where yeah, they get possibly. the body from yeah, yeah yeah i think that was him he's but he's been at you're right he's been in a ton yeah, of he's stuff been in a ton of stuff you yeah. see him and you're like oh that guy yeah yeah and he usually plays a, a jerk or an asshole or something like that and he's he's great at it yeah but yeah he, you know 
That did not that did not bode well for her chances in the promotion. No. What's the time frame on when this position needs to be filled? Like, yeah, they've already got the desk. It's, yeah, there. it's just an empty desk with an empty right. nameplate. He's just holding so much power. Like, certainly there's some other management position that he answers to that's like, chop, chop, dude. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, it's not that important of a position <laughs> if you could just sit there vacant for, you know, days at a time. But, um, yeah, the the uh, the nice thing as as we get into kind of sort of the, the middle of the movie when things are really rolling. Um, what I really like about it is that the I don't think this movie ever hits any sort of lull. Uh, it, it builds beautifully. It's always engaging. There's not necessarily even a ton of what I want to say. Like there's, there's not a lot of twists and turns in the plot. No. I mean, she's just cursed and she's trying to trying to end it. And, and there's, there's not a lot of other elements added to that to complicate anything. It's like, it's bad enough and we're just going to go with it. Um, so that's kind of hearkening back to what I was saying before about it being a really simple movie. Um, and uh, and it just stays that way. And I I think that um, when they get to the to the seance, finally, uh, did you like that scene? Did that, oh, did I that did. give you the, the climax that, that you were looking for? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was the climax I was looking for. That's interesting. You put that because, yeah, by the end of that scene, I was because I hadn't like looked at the time or anything, but I was just like. Oh, this, I think this is because I didn't remember a lot of the the specific beats from this movie. I remembered a lot of like cool stuff, but because it's been like 10 years since I'd seen it. Um, but yeah, kind of towards like in the middle of that, I was like, oh, this, okay, this is probably like the big moment. Like this is like, I knew how it ended and stuff, but, but yeah, but it doesn't like feel climactic, but at the same time, it feels like a, big set piece that's at the end of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It, and it, and it's, it and it looks like a climax. Yes. It doesn't feel like a climax. Right. Which is exactly right because it, it, it isn't, you know, it right. isn't the end. So yeah, I think it's played just right. It's, it's funny that that's where we get our, you know, possessed goat. Uh, I, th- I think the note that I wrote. I kind of like that idea of like, uh, you know, Oh, you know, sometimes, there are like some spirits that uh, just kind of hang around that are just kind of like by the, by the doorway in between our two realms. Yeah. So, you know, if we, if we open it to try and get someone specific, sometimes they come in and are just kind of like meandering around. They're not a threat or anything. We just tell them to get out of here. We're not trying to talk to you. <laughs> they, yeah, they were just kind of like, just kind of bothersome hangers yeah. on. Like, yeah, we're, we're not here for you. Okay. Um, one of the funny things, speaking of, uh, of that scene and, and possessed people, I would swear, I would almost swear. In fact, I think I'm going to go back and watch it just so I know for sure. When I believe the, the character's name is uh, Milos or Milos, that is like so, sort of a nephew to um, the, uh, the medium uh-huh. um, or, or somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah, to yeah. Her, um, that when he's going to kill the goat. Yeah. Yeah. When he's possessed, I would swear to you that the line that he says, it's supposed to be in another language, but I swear to you, he's saying cheese pizza, cheese pizza. <laughs> Go back and watch it. I'm almost a hundred percent that that's sure that that's exactly what he's saying. I gotta watch with the closed captions on that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I was watching with I watch everything with the captions. I don't I don't think it captioned anything or at that moment. It yeah, actually, just said, like, I screaming. watched it with captions, too. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've started. We've started doing that. Uh, we started doing it with uh, we were watching movies, the, the the alien movies with the commentary. Yeah. Uh, and now is now we're just if we watch a movie, the captions you catch around. a lot, you pick up so much more yeah. just yeah. rewatching the Marvel movies. I was like, oh. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I get that. Okay. Yeah. You'd be surprised at how many like full sentence lines of dialogue get buried just in the, in the sound. Mm -hmm. And like, if there's two people talking in the distance or something like that. And it's like, if I wasn't, if I didn't have the captions, I would have no idea what they're saying. So I'm glad that I do because I wonder if wanted me to hear that because right. I, I wouldn't have otherwise <laughs> right but, yeah. yeah sometimes you're just like well, that like fundamentally changes a, a lot of perspective yeah. of what i had on this on this part right right um but yeah did you like that seance scene i did i did because i think again i think it's another great example of writing that that line between silly and goofy and and scary the only thing that i would say about it is that I would have maybe because it's such a massive, gorgeous house. It's this huge mansion. It's got a really specific style to it. And she lives in the medium lives there because it is such an an interesting setting. It kind of makes me want a little bit more background on her. That's that's something that I would have. Especially with someone you introduce in the beginning. Right. And then she's just forgotten. And it's just like, if that doesn't happen in the beginning, I get nothing else out of that scene, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, not that I would feel that much differently if she just had like a a storefront or something like that, that she was in. But um, I mean, it's a great setting. Maybe they just picked that house because they had access to it or something, but it, it just a little bit more background on, you know, her powers and her history. Um, that would have, I would have liked financial that. situation. <laughs> right. right. Does she need the 10 grand? Cause it doesn't look like she needs any money based on the home she's sitting in. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, but overall, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, and it does kind of make you feel like, um, Hey, everything's fixed now. And, and, and you're accepting of that. And then when you find out immediately afterward that it's not fixed, you're right. like, Oh shit. Um, but then that's that's what's so great about the ending, the, the sort of last third of this movie, is that there are so many times where you think like, OK, this is it. She can fix it. It's going to be done. She's going to be fine. And uh, and then it does not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because she's told by our first medium that he's like, OK, actually, here's what you can do. I didn't want you. I don't want to tell you this because like. You're going to really fuck someone up. But right. if you give the button, she cursed to someone else, then they get cursed. So, and you've got until morning to figure it out. So it is kind of nice. Like she's just like now has this great burden that she can easily lift, but it's this monkey paws kind of, you know, I know I'm going to hurt someone else. There's a great part. She's like in a diner and sees this old dude on oxygen and she's about to give it to him. And then his wife like brings him a Sunday or something. And they just (laughs) tell him they love each other. And she's like, fuck. Yeah. And she's going to give it to Stu at work. Oh yeah. I guess we never mentioned the coin. She gives Stu what she thinks is, Oh no, I'm sorry. She's going to give it to Stu. Then she realizes I can pass this off to a dead body. Yeah. 
and that's when she digs up the uh the 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 gypsy. Now, what we haven't mentioned at the very beginning of the movie, we learned that uh, Justin Long's character is a coin collector and she found a 1929 stand-up Liberty that's almost a full press at the bank <laughs> and she gave it to him. It's a very sweet moment. He tells you a lot about their relationship. It's so good. This is actually a well-written movie. Yeah. Um and so towards the end uh and he puts it in an envelope. Cause even I like when, when um, she, she drops the envelope in the car at the end and then like finds it. And I know that she doesn't have the button or that she gets dragged to hell. And I'm like, surely you would check to see if the fucking button was in there. And then I was like, Oh, right. The coin. I totally forgot about the coin swap. So she thinks, so she accidentally gives the, so now this dead, terrible woman also has a 1929, Full standing Liberty <laughs> near pressed coin in her dead clutches. Uh, and she still has the button. Yeah. And that that's the thing. I, I had seen this movie and loved it. It was a handful of years ago, but I had completely forgotten the ending. Yeah. And so, and I, it was kind of shocking to me all over again. Like I literally had no recollection of how this movie ended and uh i think they do a great job of it i didn't feel like it was a cheat like oh that's lame it, it actually is it's awesome you know yeah. and it's all it's all like you said it's plausible when you see him put the coin in that envelope in the in the office you think nothing of it right like and you totally forget about it i mean it's it's they played it out perfectly and uh and even then when you see and he does it in a kind of like dramatic way when the medium like puts the, like licks the envelope and gives it to her. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so you don't, you don't get a sense that there's going to be something with envelopes. They just, <laughs> right. they just do that and it's normal. So you don't see it coming. It's a total surprise at the end. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those kind of rare movies where, yeah, it just straight up does not have a happy ending. No. And usually it's like, infinity war, Tim. I mean, yeah, just rewatch the Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that, uh, <laughs> but no, I and, and uh, now, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about when a movie has no? Well, I guess it does have you know, because she goes to hell, and yeah. it's so funny that he even tells us. I mean, it's dragged me to hell, and that's exactly what ends up happening, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, do do you feel like that's the right move, or did you feel like? Uh, that you didn't want her to die. Well, yeah, no, I mean, of course I don't want her to die. She never does anything wrong. You know, it's just kind of one of those bad things happen to good people and it sucks, but you got to deal with it. Right. It shouldn't happen. And yes, I can easily say, well, I don't watch movies to think I just like the entertainment, but yeah, sometimes you just got to fucking deal with bad stuff and it's going to be in your movie. And I think that's good. And that was not an indictment of uh, people who don't like preachy stuff in their movies. That was a totally, I don't want that to sound like I was, <laughs> now that I realize what that sounds like. But no, like, yeah, I, yeah, there is a, you know, you feel bad and you are like, why did that have to happen to her? Uh, and it didn't and it shouldn't have, but sometimes it does. 
Well, I think you, you said something that I, I really latched on to because it, it was a thought that I had overall about this movie that I really, really like. And, and I think it's what makes this particular movie really unique. There are people uh, that whether maybe that this is their taste all of the time, or maybe it's just a mood that they're in every now and again, where they say, I just want some mindless entertainment. I, I just I just want to watch a movie that I don't have to think about and and just, you know, enjoy it. And unfortunately, movies that are like that generally are not very good. Right. <laughs> you know, like they're crap. And that's that's why they're not, you know, uh difficult not a lot of mind went into making it right you're not going to get that coming out yeah so rarely do you get a movie that you don't that you can just kind of sit back and and that's what this movie is you don't you don't have to pay super duper close attention i mean you're you're going to because it's good yeah but it's not complicated um so it is kind of I don't want to say mindless, but it is just straight ahead entertainment, but it is really, really, really well done. So you don't get that combination often. Except for, we didn't talk about the third house attack. There's some pretty atrocious special. Oh, special effects. Excuse me. Um, Yeah. Not only because, because now she knows that the old woman is dead. Right. So now we know what the old woman attacking her is a ghost or, or construct of some sort. This whole fight scene is so weird and uh, over the top. It feels out of place and a little off-putting for these two very specific port points. I mentioned one of them earlier where this uh, old woman like punches Catherine in the face and her arm like up to the elbow goes into her throat. Yeah. So I don't know physically what's happening inside her body, what that arm is doing, whatever, because she's not killing her. She's yeah. just kind of wide eyed, like what's happening. And that it looks weird. Then there is this, I don't know what the setup is, but for some reason she has an anvil suspended in her attic. Right. Yeah. That's on a pulley system. And now she was, uh, I don't remember why she was up there, uh, but she was up there for something and she grabs a, ice skate and cuts the rope which then drops the anvil from the ceiling which then hits the old woman in the head and her eyeballs pop out of her eyes with the worst red gloopy cgi shit not even red it's like a reddish like dark black red kind of yeah but yeah not even like a cool look it just looked it looked metallic that's the problem it's that cgi metallic look and it like hits hits Catherine in the face or Christine in the face, but in a weird way, like in just the worst CGI way. Like it's just like they were up to the last second getting all their all their effect shots done, and that was just the one that didn't get completed. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah, and there's there's so there's so much good practical effects in the rest of the movie that in those couple of times that you do see that CGI, you're like, Oh man, like it's so glaring. You have to do that. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, there is an eyeball flying scene in evil dead two. That is better than this (laughs) made all before. Um, So yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's cringy and it it just, it's so, and it's so bad. That's what, that was the impression that was left on me after I, you know, all these years I've been like, it's, it's a good movie with like some shitty CGI. 
Yeah. But no, it's like it's like two minutes of shitty CGI. And what's weird is that there are some of the scenes that they use practical effects on are not easy practical effects. It's not like they said, okay, we're going to do practical for all of the, the easy stuff. And then the rest will be CGI. Like there is some complicated, uh, you know, prosthetics and some things that they do. So it, it's really puzzling, like why they wouldn't just carry that all the way through. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Especially in the complex scenario, you have to set that up in like, it's under the guise. There is a like a Warner Brothers Acme anvil, like the Roadrunner and Coyote would use. Uh, Wiley Coyote would use. Yeah, it's so weird. It seems really unsafe to have that hanging from your ceiling. You know, one thing, and I, I don't know what made me think of this, but I I, I don't want to leave it out. Um, I thought it was really interesting that they used that old. 80s universal logo at the beginning of the movie did you catch that oh yeah and and it was a choice that, and it that felt was, good that, too i i yeah. that's crazy you brought that up because yeah i didn't i didn't realize it was like the 80s one but yeah when i saw that i was just like oh yeah this is nice a big studio making a good horror movie <laughs> thanks thanks big studio but what's funny is that they they had like the modern um universal logo that was used at that time and then sam raimi actually chose to also insert the 80s one. Oh, like that was a conscious like like he's it was and i remember both of them you know when you like you said when you see that old one you're like oh yeah i remember that <laughs> right. um but yeah he he inserted that and then i think there's a post-credit scene where he uh invites you to go to universal studios oh for real oh i did not watch until the end damn it i was like certainly there's nothing in this movie <laughs> well, i'm not gonna go back and watch the end of it but um yeah i don't know if that was <laughs> just invites you to universal studios yeah it's like something i i, I didn't watch time i watched it the first time but it came up when I was reading that, yeah, there's some kind of video or message about going to Universal Studios. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if he inserted that in the beginning of the movie just to kind of like harken back to his like the time period when he was getting started or what. Right. I'm not sure, but it's kind of a cool choice. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know why I would have done that. Yeah. But um, hmm. but yeah, overall, I I think that it's a. Uh, you know, you don't hear a ton of people talk about this movie. I think it deserves to be mentioned a lot more than it is. I don't see how you could have a boring time watching this, like the way that I was falling asleep during Leprechaun. Like you, you can't fall asleep during this movie. No. Um, super, super actiony, super funny, just the right amount of of all of the different ingredients. Um, solid recommend from me. Solid recommend from me as well. Uh, it's just a good time you know exactly what you're getting and it's all delicious. Yes. I think you said off air, it's like a nice side dish. It's like a yeah. robust side dish. Yeah. You know what it's like? It's like when you go to a potluck and there's all these different choices of entrees. So you end up with like, there's so many choices of entrees that entree becomes a side dish. So yeah. you'll get like a piece of meat, but you'll also get like a pasta dish. So that's what this, it's kind of a weird you know, analogy, but that's what this movie feels like to me. It's like, this is my meatball, barbecue meatball crock pot. Like I'm hitting that one. I'll be <laughs> yeah. back. It's yeah. It's, it's just, um, 
you know, it's I, I, small is not the word that I'm looking for, but it, do you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of yeah. like a, it's not some big tent pole picture and people yeah. are like, come see the stunning is stunning right. adventure. Drag me to hell. Yeah. No, it's like more like a, Hey, come here. You yeah. got to check out drag me to hell. Trust me. You're going to love it. I'm just picturing you saying that like in a trench coat. Just <laughs> hey, come here. Hey, I'll show you something. You didn't hear this from me. <laughs> That's great. Find me this summer behind the ice cream parlor next to the dumpster. Oh, that's cool. good. All right. Well, shit. What a bummer. We got to stop talking about Drag Me to Hell from 2009. Thanks, Sam mm. Raimi, for coming back. Uh, what are we doing next? Next, we're doing from 1995, one of my favorites, a cursed movie, Seven. Seven. I'm really interested to see that because I haven't seen it in a very long time. I'm interested to see how it holds up, if it's gotten dated, um, if it still is affecting. And I'm sure we'll have an interesting time talking about, <laughs> is it okay to like the performance of a awful human being? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, so because the whole world was in love with Kevin Spacey. Oh, boy. Dude, and, there was uh, nothing more exciting about him popping up at the end of this movie. Yeah. Anyway, spoilers. I don't know. We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Kevin Spacey's in seven, everyone, and he's gross. <laughs> yes. So that'll get that fun. out of the way now, but it's not going to stop me talking about one of my favorite movies. And it's not my favorite because Kevin Spacey's in it. It's because that was when I was like, damn, Brad Pitt is fucking awesome. I let go of my you're just a pretty boy and you suck. Well, it was this in 12 monkeys, essentially. Yeah. I did a total 180, and I was so happy Brad Pitt won an Oscar this year or last year, uh, whenever that happened. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that you just have to use, right? You know, he's, totally. he's, he's made some early in his career. He made some a little bit over the top, chew the scenery choices. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just kind of gotten into his own groove. And even in like the, um, the oceans 11 movies, like he's just, he's just cool. You he's know? so like, likable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, he's oh, we'll talk I, I plenty listen. about Brad Pitt, man. We got so many, it's our, probably our most star studded movie. Yes. Yeah. I would say that. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Not a, not a small name. I mean, yeah, it's Arlie Ermy is going to be like the smallest name in that movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Were all those people famous at that time? Was that's kind of when, uh, uh that's Paltrow pretty much when they were, pop, yeah, that's when yeah. like Gwyneth Paltrow was popping off and yeah. Brad Pitt was popping off. Yeah, that was a big time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Morgan Freeman was pretty established. Yeah, he was the big, he was the big name in that movie at the time. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's for next week. <laughs> yes. We'll get I'm to it. Excited. We'll get I haven't to it watched that in a while and I can't wait to watch it again. So good. David Fincher is just one of my favorite filmmakers as well. So, yeah. And we get to see the, uh, the infamous, uh, what we call the sting dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. I can't wait. That's going to be next week. Uh, Tim, check out our website. Slumberpodcastmassacre.com. It's got all our socials and all that fun stuff. Also, check out our Patreon, uh, $3. 
uh, helps uh, make the show possible. And uh, you get to find out a month in advance uh, what movies we're covering. So, you know, uh, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know what I'm talking about? For $3. $3. Cool. Tim, do you have anything else to say about Drag Me to Hell? Just I, I just really straight ahead, straightforward. I'm going to say, if you haven't seen this movie and you are listening to this right now, go watch this. I'm going to keep it simple. Watch Drag Me to Hell. It's great. I agree. Trust it me. Great. It's great. And you're great, Tim. And I'll see you next week. No, you're great. <laughs> and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Is that a bit from something? Was I missing something? Oh, um, when uh, Keanu Reeves does the, oh. no, you're breathtaking. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>